Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I had never seen Doctor Who until I started this very podcast. And of course, I, I can't stop now. I won't stop now because the show is so good. And every week, I look forward to sitting down with an expert, with somebody that knows so much more about Doctor Who than I do because they've seen it all, they've read it all, they've listened to it all, and I get to learn so much about every episode that it just... It makes the whole experience that much better. And today, we are talking about The Fires of Pompeii, which is episode two of series four. I can't believe I'm saying those words. Series four. Where is the time gone? But for this very special episode, because it's such an explosive episode, I need explosive experts. And that's right. I said experts because... It's too much for just one person to handle and contain. So I brought in the amazingly talented team and duo, the Ashley Martin and Jenny Fayberry. Hello. Hello. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we must do Mrs. Doubtfire. It is now tradition. It's a requirement. It's, it's the right. Mrs. Doubtfire surround sound, Hello. yes. It's, it's in our contract. It, it um, is on. Yes, I did contract. receive the rider. I, I hope you um, got the the yeah. green M and M's. Thank you. Those are the only kind. Um, I, I wanted blue M and M's. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I okay, Ashley. When I was little, there were no blue M and M's. I just <laughs> want to point that out. There I'm gonna have to walk off this podcast now. When I was little. <laughs> I didn't even know that there were M&Ms because they didn't have those in Argentina. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but welcome back the to the podcast. The podcast, right? The, the campus we didn't have as children. We are, we are um. learning all of the things. But welcome back, guys. It's so much fun to have you here to discuss series four. Can you believe it? You're back to series. You're back after series three. I didn't. Uh. You know, you we, did, we didn't think we would four. make it to Blink, and now we're talking about a new companion, which I did not see coming. Right? Isn't she great? <laughs> Surprise! Welcome back, Donna. She, I mean, I was surprised that we saw her again, and I was like, oh, maybe this is just like a little cameo, and he's going to end up with a different, <laughs> nope, nope, that's where we're going, Okay. But you uh, like her better now, right, than Runaway Bride? I, I mean, I, I liked her in Runaway Bride. I thought that she deserved an opportunity. Like, I, I thought she shortchanged herself when she said no to the doctor uh, yeah. when that offer came out. And it was great to see that she, you know, did in fact sort of regret that uh, decision. Uh, but, you know, ended up chasing the doctor down and finding him. And here they are walking out of the TARDIS. And it's, you know, Rome, as the doctor says, uh, but, <laughs> you know, almost immediately uh, Donna is the one that points it out. And she's like she she, you know, goes, hey, doctor. I'm not an expert, but there's seven hills of Rome, aren't they? How come they've only got one? <laughs> of course the TARDIS made a little mistake. Right. It's not <laughs> it's not quite Rome, Doctor. You know, big surprise. First trip out for Donna, and she's not where the doctor thinks they are. But the TARDIS um, takes you where you need to go. The, exactly. Right, right. Um, so you know, it's fantastic that you know she's hitting the ground running and 
well, I you know I loved Rose, but I thought that Martha was such a utilitarian uh, companion because she had she was smart. She was willing to jump in and you know head first do everything that the doctor asked her to do. She absolutely believed in the doctor, and she had all the you know all that medical knowledge. Uh, so she was such an awesome companion that I thought, you know, what is uh, <laughs> what is Donna really going to bring to it? And immediately Donna brings that sass out, <laughs> you know, uh, it, like uh, right away. The doctor's like explaining to her, you know, this is where we are. And she's like, hold on a minute. That's on over there. It's in English. Are you having me on a wee neck? No, 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 no. That's the TARDIS translation circuit. Just makes it look like English. Speech as well. We're talking Latin right now. <laughs> you know, the, the obligatory explanation sort of catch up, which I appreciate because if you, like me, if you were like me and had never seen it and you caught this episode on TV as it first aired, you would need a little bit of refresher and that the TARDIS can tra- translate everything. But the way that she is doing it, like all that sass, all of that like personality, I really appreciate that. But now we need the doctor to go to Epcot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I would pay money to see that episode. Uh, Not to mention, I would line up in a six-hour queue just to get a photo with the TARDIS. He he can show up in in the UK pavilion. (laughs) (laughs) Because the UK is the center of the this universe it is <laughs> everything Nothing else happens, happens anywhere everywhere else except you know or <laughs> anything happens uh, of note it happens in the uk exactly unless it's the tardis or the, unless it's the daleks and then they appear in the united states well you know i mean america probably needs the daleks sometimes <laughs> <laughs> america is honest. the daleks sometimes we're just That's pure rage yeah. And exterminate. Exterminate. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I I love the their immediate dynamic, their immediate sort of friendship that they have, uh, and uh, the fact that they do uh, in fact not land in in Rome, but they do in fact land in <laughs> in Pompeii, uh, which presents uh, a, a challenge for the doctor because he knows it's going to erupt and explode. Uh, and I love the, you know, the, the approach that uh, Donna has where she's like, but it's okay. Cause you're the doctor and you can save everybody. You saved everybody in London. Uh, and so the doctor has to explain to her. Well, I found this big sort of amphitheater which is not there, we could gather everyone together. Then maybe we've got a great big bell or something we could ring. Have they invented bells yet? What do you want a bell for? To warn everyone. Start the evacuation. What time does the service erupt? When's it due? It's 79 AD, 23rd of August, which makes Volcano Day tomorrow. Plenty of time. We get everyone out easy. Yeah, except we're not going to. But that's what you do. You're the doctor. You save people. Not this time. Pompeii is a fixed point in history. What happens, happens. There is no stopping it. Uh, so, this is me. What, and you're in charge? Not this time, old yeah. Donna Human, no. I don't need your permission. I'll tell it myself. You stand in the marketplace announcing the end of the world. They'll just think you're a mad old soothsayer. Now, come on. I mean, if that just doesn't show you what that relationship is going to be like, I don't know what does. And I'm so in for it. 
She's but feisty. She's definitely feisty. But I like the fact that we, you know, we learned that there are fixed points in history that just cannot be altered. Mm-hmm. And that's the burden of the Time Lord, and he says, because he can see it all and hear it all, kind of like he says in that very first episode of Rose. Mm-hmm. You know, he feels the world's turning. What I mean, it, it, what a burden it must be to know all of these times when all of these people have to die and even his own people on Gallifrey and he can't change it. Yeah. I believe he calls it the, the curse of the time Lord. And he says this, some things are fixed. Some things are in flux. Pompeii is fixed. How do you know which is which? Because that's how I see the universe. Every waking second that I can see what is, what was, what could be, what must not. the burden of the Time Lord, Donna. I'm the only one left. Or the burden of the Time Lord, mm. which is, mm. you know, we, we've talked about sort of the, the, the problems that arise with being the doctor and the, the things that he's able to do and express. But to know the, and to see what is, what will be, what must not, which I love. You know, the idea that he can see everything that needs to be fixed and he's just sort of fixing it one little bit at a time. I don't know how he sleeps. Right? Like, you can't turn your brain off to that. I have enough trouble. I I want whatever meditation app he's using in that TARDIS. (laughs) He's got the call map that's like the call map times 10. Like, it's just... I don't know. I mean, That's maybe every night he puts himself in the, into that uh, Time Lord watch and he sleeps like a human <laughs> so that he right? can, you know. <laughs> And also that beautiful music that just played, that mm-hmm. Murray Gold score, that particular song is going to come back a couple of times this season, specifically pertaining to a certain character mm-hmm. that I love. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> just remember uh, the music. Just a, Just a little bit. Um, but I, I love how we're, we're introduced to the place. We're introduced to, you know, what is going to happen. And then we're introduced to somebody that I know, Mm -hmm. know, Daniel currently knows that this Mm -hmm. guy will eventually become a doctor. So there's a doctor within a doctor episode. (laughs) Exactly. With, uh, I believe his name is Peter Capaldi. Yes, it is. Uh, that was amazing. I was not expecting him to pop up, and there he is. So like, cool. Uh, uh-huh. He's the guy that buys the TARDIS. How apt is that? You know, mm-hmm. like a little bit of foreshadowing. And they so do cool explain that, that once he becomes the doctor, they okay. do address why is your face like this guy we saw they in a Pompeii do. episode? Oh, I cannot wait. <laughs> Because the moment I saw it, I was like, "I bet they're gonna, I bet they're gonna explain it away. I bet that that's gonna be something that they're gonna do." But did his eyebrows look angry to you? His <laughs> eyebrows look angry to you. He Remember those angry. eyebrows, Daniel. Okay. Those eyebrows are yeah, they're important. They're very important. Oh, well, he <laughs> the the thing about it that I love about uh, Capaldi is in every movie that I had seen him. Um, 
and actually almost every episode that I've ever seen him of anything else, uh, he's always the grumpy or angry guy. <laughs> like <laughs> he never plays anything but the grumpy or disgruntled guy. Uh, and he didn't in this. I mean, he he certainly had some worries. But he was like the, the you know the, I'm just a guy trying to make my way in this world and I sell Marvel and I do the thing and it was great. I thought it was such a wonderful departure from everything that I've ever seen him play. <laughs> and I cannot wait till you eventually get to see him as the Doctor. Well, it, it, yes. it's coming. It, you know, yeah, it's coming soon. But I love their introduction. Uh, you know, because of course there has to be an introduction. You know, they're they're a very formal society. Uh, mm-hmm. And when he asks the doctor what his name is, of course, the doctor <laughs> says, I am Spartacus. <laughs> and so am I. It's Mrs. Spartacus. Oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not married. Oh, the brother and sister. Yes, of course. You look very much alike. Really? <laughs> Really? <laughs> That's like an ongoing joke for them that are you guys married? And they're like, uh no. Absolutely well, not. And what's funny is as soon as he said, You guys both look alike, I'm watching the screen and I'm like, I mean a little bit of the nose and a re- oh my gosh, <laughs> they kinda they could possibly like it's not a too like it's not a leap like it, it is pretty darn close uh, so it was hilarious but again like showing that relationship that they have of like oh no 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 we're we're, we're just friends you know he, he needed a mate not two mates. yes not right. two mate <laughs> right you're not mate with me sunshine <laughs> right oh. and of course you know i i love again like i i love how the the show uh, incorporates uh, humor, and in this episode, there was a lot of that uh, mixed in with the with the drama. And uh, certainly, you know, there's a couple of mentions of uh, the Doctor's uh, past drama with his own uh, planet. But I love the idea that when they're talking about the the TARDIS being purchased, he uses that Latin term, uh, which. You know, some of you more learned listeners will uh, immediately recognize the caveat on tour, which is buyer beware, uh, in such a clever way, you know, like describing, it's like, oh, well, you you bought this TARDIS and uh, you should have known better because, uh, you know, <laughs> caveat on tour. And he's like, oh, you speak... Uh, <laughs> you speak what is it gaelic he says gaelic yeah welsh (laughs) you know such a clever moment uh you know and again you know with a doctor in the in the future but um it's just the the idea that these people have all of these soothsayers which is referenced in one of the earlier sound clips i played uh, and that the soothsayers are clearly driving what's happening in Pompeii. And that's what ultimately perks the doctor and says, all right, maybe maybe we shouldn't leave just yet. There's there's something else going on here. Uh, and there's the girl with the weird, you know, uh, stone arm that can tell where he's from. And there's the dude with like the weird sideways cape covering his arm that <laughs> like legit calls him out and he's like, Hey, dude from Gallifrey. And you're like, what He's like, is what? Ha- right, like what is happening here? 
And speaking of the soothsayers, kind of in the same vein as Peter Capaldi, mm-hmm. there was a certain soothsayer with long red hair that you may want to remember. Did, did you did you recognize that person? I I did not recognize. Uh, She's now quite famous. Uh, Very doctor. You you would you would know this person. Oh, you would. Mm -hmm. She's in a little movie called Guardians of the Galaxy now. A little movie called um, Jumanji. Oh, is that the same actress? Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh wow, that plays Nebula. She. uh, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, she uh, she may reappear. In Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you know, it may be what starts her career and makes her world famous. I don't know. Maybe it might, might be a, a little big deal. Perhaps, there. maybe a little yeah. something that happened, you know, that cool. launches her. That's um, that's awesome. I did not recognize mm-hmm. her. Uh, then mm-hmm. again, you know, she's usually under <laughs> 10 pounds of uh, latex and makeup. And <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, if you tell. watch the episode again, she's the one at the beginning that's following them. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, I have a habit of not, you know, watching the episode right before we tape the podcast and then usually watching <laughs> it at least one more time after the podcast. So I'm definitely yeah. going to You'll watch it again and you'll be her. like, oh my gosh, it totally is. So it's <laughs> right? very, very cool that two important people in Doctor Who lore yeah. are in this episode in addition to our normal characters. In addition just, to mm-hmm. Doctor Who and Donna. Yes, yes. Uh, there's that's that's pretty cool yeah that makes it a very unique episode and i i like sort of the the historical approach to uh what's happening because there's a little bit of like infotainment uh happening where we learn a little Mm -hmm. bit more about the the roman empire as it were uh specifically there's a moment in which uh you know, Donna is uh, talking to the doctor about what's going to happen, and the doctor has this to say to her. They don't know what it is. Vesuvius is just a mountain to them. The top hasn't blown off yet. The Romans haven't even got a word for volcano. Not until tomorrow. Oh, great. They can learn a new word as they die. I mean, mm. I I oh. had no idea. I did not know that. Uh, so not only was mm. that a, a wonderful opportunity for me to learn something, uh, but such a way to show, you know, the amount of compassion that Donna has. And she's legitimately worried and she wants to save everybody. The moment she realizes that she is in a, in a position where she can save people, she wants to save them desperately. And the doctor keeps butting up to her, having to remind her that there's just certain things that... Uh, Sometimes people can't be saved, uh, and it, it's such a it plays such a huge, uh, oversized uh, part of this episode is the the idea that sometimes not everybody can be saved, um, which you know we've seen from the first series of the Doctor, where you know almost every episode something happened and he wasn't able to save people until. Uh, the episode that uh, Jenny and Dr. I talked Dances. about. Yeah, the Doctor Everybody Dances. lives. Right? Mm, uh, just this once, Rose. Everybody lives. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it comes back. Here we are four seasons later, and, you know, the Doctor is having to explain to a new companion why, you know, uh, why they can't, <laughs> why he can't 
do it, why he can't save, uh, you know, everybody, uh, which is just heartbreaking. It's just the burden of time travel, though. Like you think in the moment, like right now where we are, if there was a disaster, your first instinct is how can we save people? Um, True life, just a couple days ago down in Miami, to make this real, there was a horrible apartment disaster where uh, the apartment just collapsed. And your first instinct is to go and save people. That's what everybody's trying to do because in the now, that's what you want to do. And thank God for all the the fire rescue and the folks that do that as as a, a job. But when you're time traveling, you don't have that option because of those rules that are set in place. And as a human, our human nature is to preserve, perseverance. And that's what makes this so hard for the human companions is because that's all they want to do is help. He chooses these amazing companions with compassion. And it's so hard not to help. Well, that's... that's. Uh... I, I'm mixing my sci-fi, but uh, in the in the book, The Martian, uh, I don't know that it was included in the movie, which kind of upset me. But in the book, The Martian, at the very end of the book, um, there's a description about how you know uh, human beings we we are all divided and we have all these things, but ultimately, when there's a crisis, we all group together and we all work for the greater good. We all want to help. We all want to provide assistance. Uh, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, this situation down in Miami, uh, I, when I lived down there in the nineties, I lived 10 blocks away from that building. I used to rollerblade past it all the time. Mm. So when I saw that video, like I know that area, I lived there, mm-hmm. you know, it's been years and years and years, but I know that area and immediately your heart breaks uh, and you jump and you want to help. Uh, and I think that's the the wonderful thing about Donna is she showed that humanity uh, during the Christmas episode that she was in where she saw sort of the darker propensities of the doctor and warned him, look, I'm not going to go with you, but you need to find somebody because yeah. you need that person. And this episode she continues to push against that instinct that the doctor has or the, you know, after 900 years, he's sort of built up these calluses, as it were. Uh, And for you and I, you know, a callus is something that builds up after you do something repeatedly. You know, like people that play Mm -hmm. uh, guitars often get calloused fingers. uh, And ultimately that's what helps them play the guitar without hurting themselves. Well, for the doctor, those calluses mean you know people death you know people die Mm -hmm. in his watch uh and he just has to treat him as a as a callous because of what you said jenny the idea that there are events that he just can't change um which is just so sad when we get to that moment in this episode where you know he realizes that everything that's happening is, you know, as uh, as is always the case, there's something extraterrestrial or something extra natural that's happening. And in also this case, extremely historic with Pompeii. That's right. exactly 
right. what happened that day. Um, yeah. That the, the, the there's these aliens mm-hmm. that have taken over, and that you know that's why these soothsayers are able to see so much of actual you know events, but at the same time, because of what they're doing. They've robbed this uh, the the power of Mount Vesuvius, and so it's not going to erupt. And that's when the doctor comes to this realization. Vesuvius is never going to erupt. The power of us stealing all his power. Going to use it to take over the world. But you can change it back. I can invert the system, set off the volcano, and blow them up. Yes, but that's a choice, Donna. It's Pompeii or the world. Oh, my God. If Pompeii is destroyed, then it's not just history. It's me. I make it happen. And and you hear it. (laughs) You hear the weight of that decision. Here's a moment that he thought was a fixed moment in time. And now he's faced with the realization that he has to make it happen because it's a choice. It's 20,000 souls or the, or the world. Which is also why they didn't go to Rome. Because the TARDIS knew mm-hmm. they had to go to Pompeii. It's like Star Trek. The needs of the, the, few, the, needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many. Yes. The needs of the many the, the, outweigh the, yeah, the, 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 the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Like, it's just, like, it, it's such a moment. Uh, and you you can see the gravity of the moment. And he's putting his hands on the on that lever and he's he's about to not do it, and he can't like, do it. And yeah. Donna like puts his her hands over his, and that gives him the strength to do it. And then, and you see it like as soon as that happens, the you know the 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 little capsule that they were in gets ejected, and you know he's like, oh yeah, it was a safety capsule, and then he reverts back to that very guarded person. And Donna's pleading with him, and and he, you know, he he gets back to that person that we've seen him be, and he says something like, "It's not fair." No, it's not. For your own planet, that's just it. Don't you see, Donna? Can't you understand? If I could go back and save them, then I would, but I can't. I can never go back. I can't. I just can't. I can't. I mean, (sighs) once again, it goes back to that moment of the time wars where the doctor had to take that action. And I still don't know exactly what precipitated it, but we've talked about it. I know I've had conversations with you guys and I've had conversations with some of my other experts on the show it this this decision clearly weighed heavily and here it is it's back uh front and center sort of reminding us that that's part of why the doctor has uh, like i said you know this horrible analogy but you know these calluses that have grown around him and part of it is that moment and here's donna sort of making that moment really raw for him and making that moment, you know, in a way, watching the citizens of Pompeii burn is a painful reminder of what he had to endure, of watching his own race go out. 
And he just recently had to relive all of that when he confronted the master. So, you know, this is, this is something that is very much on the tip of his tongue, on the edge of that, you know, giant brain of his uh, with everything that he can see is that painful reminder. Uh, and here's Donna, like, trying to get him to shake out of it. And so, you know, she, she ultimately does. She gets him to save just one, one family, one body, one person. And it's Yeah, almost, he needs her. Yeah. And you could see it. It's almost like uh, like the medicine that he needed. And he sits there and he's able to kind of tell them this is what's happening. This is what, you know, transpired. You can't tell people that I was here, but, you know, almost like saying, like, use the second chance that you've gotten and use it well. Uh, and then you know we do see them in the in in the six months after you know they're oh. they're living in Rome, <laughs> and they're clearly very po- prosperous. And there's the opportunity that he may provide the marvel for the uh, libraries in Alexandria, which you know we know uh, that <laughs> means that they're going to be very prosperous and they're going to do just fine and they're going to do very well. Uh, so it just it seemed like such a perfect end to that journey that he had to take that she helps him. She nudges him towards that ultimate, you know, solution. And he owns up to it. He says to her, You were right. Sometimes I need someone. Welcome aboard. I mean, that's... (laughs) You can't get any more welcoming than that, you know. Uh, if, if he looked like he had any sort of hesitations before then, after that, you're like, that's it. You know, he, he absolutely realizes this is the right person and I chose the right mate, the, you know, the right <laughs> friend to come yeah. along uh, on this ride for with me. Yeah, he needs Donna. He, and I mean, if you... If you think about it, the doctor and Donna also represent just friendships in general. Um, not not so much even just the doctor, but sometimes you have that headstrong friend that sometimes just needs that other voice of reason um, to be, you know, the yin and yang. Yeah. And they're they're a really good combination of that. And I think not only do you see that in the show, but I think from just a human aspect in general, watching the show, you can be like, oh, this person is the Donna to my 10th doctor or vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, especially considering that, you know, with Rose, everything was adventure. With Martha, everything was, I will do whatever this guy asks me to because I, I am so smitten with him. You know, she never questioned what he was doing. She always Mm -hmm. bought into it a hundred percent and here's Donna, who's like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, why can't you make this decision? You know, why? It, like, she's she's pushing him. She's forcing him. Mm-hmm. And the compromise ultimately, you know, makes him better. You know, he, he doesn't save everybody. And, you know, in fact, he has to doom all of those people for the sake of the rest of the world. But he's able to save that one family, and that's enough for him to realize that 
you know, he can do good even in the face of such a horrible, difficult decision that he has to make. We all need that. We all need that. This episode (laughs) just gets me every time. I mean, every time I see it, I tear up. Even with, you know, the bad 2008 CGI of everything, you know, exploding. It's just, it really makes you think. And, you know, for those who have been to Pompeii, it's just, it's very overwhelming because you see it and you're like, okay, these are buildings. This is what's up to the buildings. Wow. Okay. There was ash here. But then when you see the plaster casts of the people who died, it's just, it's so overwhelming. And I always think about that when I watch this episode, Mm -hmm. because I think, yeah, it's TV CGI. But when you think about the real event and you see those people's faces, Mm-hmm. in plaster and you see the dogs it's just no. oh the dog really got me but it, it was I, it was quite overwhelming to see in person i think the episodes that are based on real periods in time yeah. are unique in the fact that we can relate to them more because there are places that you can go and experience or you might have lived through it yourself if it's a more recent experience there's things that you can really tie to it. Like there are some episodes that, that we just can't because those planets don't exist in our world. Um, but something like this, it's, it's very real. So it seems more real. So you can really touch it and feel it. And it's just feels like it could have really happened. And that makes the story that much better. Well, and to create a connection, for you know for those that have been fortunate like ashley that have been fortunate enough to visit a place like pompeii to make that connection with this fictional show that is still a morality show it still has uh, a story to tell but at the same time it has a point to make and the point of a, a being that has to suffer the, the 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 knowledge like he says the the idea, the burden of being able to see everything that's ever happened, everything that's going to happen, and having to make those decisions, those really hard decisions of knowing that, you know, I, if I make this decision, it is for the better, but it still has consequences. And b- having to face those consequences, having to look at them in the face, like Ashley said. When you know, I, I've never been, but I've uh, I've seen uh, books uh, or I've seen photos in books uh, where you know the the face of agony is etched, mm. you know, in eternity mm-hmm. uh, mm. because of how quickly uh, the events transpired. So it it connects the the pain that you that that you know Russell T Davies basically puts the doctor through. Uh, in this episode and and has him face that very existential crisis uh, while he has an eternity to live, he is constantly faced with death because that's the way of the rest of the world. Uh, and he's constantly seeing that and he's constantly having to nudge and push people in one way or another towards that ultimate fate. Uh, and you know what a what a tragic way to describe the doctor, 
And yet, you know, what a hopeful way to end it with this person that, you know, kind of fills, like you said, Jenny, that that yang to his ying. Uh, you know, she she fills that compassion that he's been missing, that that he's kind of pushed himself away from because of all the things he's had to dealt deal with, uh, in you know, in in losing Rose, in all of the events that transpired with Martha, leading up to the confrontation with the Master. Uh, you know, he's he's been through an emotional toll that he hasn't quite taken the time to address. And it's great for him just to have a buddy companion now. Like he just, he needs a friend and that's what Donna's going to be for him. I, and I love that he was able to articulate that. I love that. He, <laughs> yeah. he And I talked about it last week in the episode that, you know, he, it, it's a great big step for him to say, you know, I messed up. I led Martha on and that led to some complications and I, you know, what I need is a friend. What I need is yep. somebody to be there for me as a friend. And um, to not fall in love with me. <laughs> right. And I mean, we're so sorry. Because I'm so charming. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the hair, the trench coat. We're listen, so I, I've, had to, I, I've had to say that so many times. He's like, listen, I just need you to be my friend. I can't be your. Oh, wait. No, that was the opposite. <laughs> was, okay, never mind. Uh, but you know, it, it is it, it is a huge step for you know a being that's that old. But also, you know, um, you know, for human beings, we are terrible at telling other people what we need from them. We mm-hmm. make assumptions. We you know live in the unsaid, and oftentimes that leads to unnecessary confusion. And oftentimes that leads to unnecessary heartbreak for, you mm-hmm. know, both people ultimately. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge deal, I thought, for him to be able to articulate that in such a direct way. Um, and of course, you know, Donna being who Donna is, she immediately takes it in in a negative connotation and doesn't realize, oh, wait, wait, no, no, okay, th- we're both on the same page. Never mind. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, it's just, it, it, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that the doctor has that person that can challenge him uh, and that can be there with him yeah. without there being that extra baggage tied up to when are they going to kiss? When is it going to happen? Are, are, you know, is he going to fall in love with her or is he not going to fall in love with her? And I appreciate that immensely. Yeah, it's a nice change. You know, and Donna is going to leave quite an impact <laughs> on the doctor and, and some other folks, not just him. Ooh, well, I cannot wait. Um, so before we jump into our TARDIS tidbits, is there anything that I missed in this episode? Any uh, breadcrumbs that I didn't notice? There were definitely breadcrumbs for future episodes. Mm-hmm. that I have information about in the TARDIS tidbits, but we can talk about okay. them now. I was wondering if you, if you mentioned some of those in the tidbits. Well, so why don't we, uh, why don't we take it to uh, future uh, Ashley, who is going to give us the TARDIS tidbits. 
This is Ashley Stardust Tidbits for Series 4, Episode 2, The Fires of Pompeii. The idea of doing a Pompeii episode had originally been brought up by Russell T. Davies in Series 1, but he decided that they didn't have the budget for such an episode, so he wrote Boomtown instead. At one point, the doctor tells Donna that he had been to Rome before, but he had nothing to do with that fire, referring to the Great Fire of 64 AD. This is also a reference to a 1965 episode where the first doctor visits Rome, and he doesn't directly start the fire, but he does hold a map a bit too close to an open flame, which gives Nero an idea. The character of Caecilius is named for the character appearing in the first book of the Cambridge Latin course, which is set in Pompeii just before its destruction. Caecilius actually is known to have existed, Archaeologists have discovered his financial records and a bust of his head in his house when they excavated the ruins. When Caecilius buys the TARDIS, saying that it's a work of modern art, this is a deliberate reference to the 1979 episode, City of Death, where John Cleese and Eleanor Braun play art critics who discuss the artistic merits of the TARDIS and then are even further impressed when it dematerializes in front of them. Most of this episode actually was shot in Rome, Italy, in Cinecita Studios on the same sets as the 2005 show Rome. This marks the first time that Doctor Who had actually been substantially filmed outside of the UK since the 1996 revival movie. Ironically, a fire near the sets impeding the filming process before they were even scheduled to begin. And the actors who play Caecilius and a certain soothsayer, you might want to remember their faces. Just, just a thought. And another breadcrumb that's left for us. At one point we hear, she is returning. There's something on your back. And the soothsayer says that the doctor's real name is hidden and burns in the cascade of Medusa herself. Just some more, you know, friendly things to remember. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm going to miss not having spoilers. <laughs> At some point, we're going to run out of spoilers because I'm going to know everything. And every week, <laughs> I learn so much more about the episode. So thank you so much, Ashley, for providing those TARDIS tidbits. Uh, they're definitely helpful. Um, so... Anything else that uh, we should discuss? Um, the only thing, I rewatched the episode twice. I watched it again last night with the commentary. Mm. And when they did go to, to Italy, um, David Tennant actually did go to Pompeii. And they took him to Caecilius' house, mm. which I thought was interesting. Um, and then apparently also they went to Rome and went to a supposedly nice restaurant. And then the rats started running around mm. in the restaurant and the waiters weren't very concerned, but they were like, uh, okay, we're going to go now. Um, but was the, there was one more funny David thing. Had, I was about to say David has <laughs> such a hard life. And then you mentioned the rat. Like I was going to be like, oh, they took him to Pompeii into his house. Oh, then rat. <laughs> So the whole like hard life thing wouldn't have been a uh, really appropriate <laughs> there. There was one other thing I forgot to mention since we're, you know, Disney files here, all of us <laughs> that one part uh, early on when 
they they're in the house and they go positions and they're holding all the furniture, mm-hmm. you know, as it, as it's wobbling around Russell T Davies had apparently written in the script in the stage direction, you know, this is a direct reference to Mary Poppins uh. <laughs> when they're telling him all posts and they're holding everything when Admiral boom is, you know, setting off the cannon. I thought that was funny. Oh my goodness. I immediately, that's what it evoked in my mind when, when they did that. I'm like, oh, that's such a Mary Poppins moment. <laughs> he must have had Mary Poppins on the brain because we had that in this episode. And then the previous episode, Miss Foster was supposed to be like a creepy Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. So someone was watching some Disney. Which, yeah, which he definitely had that, uh, you know, very uh, funny uh, cartoon end to her <laughs> existence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so definitely uh, appropriate. But uh, I just, I cannot wait to see what else comes out of this season. Um, so far, big, you know, clearly, I, I, I get the feeling that this is going to be the season where we're chasing the bad wolf again. Uh, you know, maybe it's the bad wolf, maybe it's Rose, but... I mean, I said I needed closure, so, Mm. you know, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's something happen that happens at the end of the season that when I was watching the show originally, I said, you know, it would be really cool if this happened. And then it was like Russell T. Davies just giving us all that fan service. And we'll talk about this later at the end of the season, but you, you have to text yeah. me that later. Cause I want to know what it is now. Actually. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, okay. But yeah, this season was, it has a lot of unexpected things. You know, you think and it's it, just going to be okay. The doctor and another companion, but wow, you are in for and, quite a ride this season. And it has another one of my favorite two parters. Mm. Yeah. Which when you get to it, Oh, spoilers, sweetie. My goodness. <laughs> well, like there, I said. There, there have been so many great, great things that you have been waiting for that you don't even know you've been waiting for. <laughs> like the origin of spoilers, sweetie. So oh, get ready. <laughs> well, I can't wait. Uh, like I said, it's been it's been a great ride so far, and I'm glad that uh, we could reunite the Ashley and Jenny show for the <laughs> fires of Pompeii and both of you will uh, definitely be rejoining me for other episodes this series so I cannot yes. wait to get to those as well but thank you both so much for coming on and uh, helping me it, it, learn more about what is happening with Doctor Who our oh, pleasure here this is this is our our fun this is our passion and and we love that you're here with us now well, You're one I, of us. <laughs> one, one, of of us. us. One, one of us. One of us. One of us. Well, I I proudly uh, call myself a Whovian now, so I definitely uh, have joined the cult, as it were. But I also want to thank you, dear listener, for having made it to the end of yet another exciting first time, Lord. And uh, as always, uh, there are plenty of ways to support the show. The most important, go to firsttimelord.com and leave a comment. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, Let us know what you thought of any of the other episodes. They're all on that website. uh, And that will help 
immensely because I definitely want to get like a listener initiated episode at some point during this series so leave your comments let us know what you're thinking about the show also if you want to help uh, I don't know uh, cover some of the cost for hosting the podcast uh, you can visit the merch shop Uh, I've been mentioning it for the last couple of weeks but uh, we got some really cool shirts my wife has been wearing a couple I've worn mine out uh, several times and gotten compliments they're very comfortable so definitely a way to support the show that way or you can find us on patreon the link is also on firsttimelord.com but most importantly just share the podcast find other listeners that like me maybe didn't dive into doctor who and after listening to one or two episodes are gonna get into it because let's face it we just need more doctor who fans in the world and i cannot wait to share all of that goodness with them and with you but uh, i guess uh, at this point i have no time left but to uh, head back into my tardis and uh, get into more hijinks with donna and the doctor so see you next week everybody I want the doctor to be my, you know, <laughs> home god. What is that? <laughs> what do they call the him? household god? Household god. <laughs> he's my he's my personal household god. <laughs> it's it's funny on the commentary when they show that part. David Tennant goes, "Oh, I loved that thing. I wonder who nicked it from the set." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>